everyone and welcome to Barefoot with Spirit podcast show. I'm your host, Leanne, the Barefoot Medium. I'm incredibly excited to connect with you and to be able to bring you channeled information from Source, Spirit, the Divine, to inspire you, to transform your experience, consciously manifest your desires and connect with your intuition and spirit. Now, before we get started, I just would like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our lands on which I stand and which my guest stands and to pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and First Nations people who are tuning in from around the world. Now, kick off your shoes Take some big, beautiful breaths into your heart space and imagine stepping into this beautiful, spiritual, sacred container for a deep, intimate conversation with Jean Atman and myself on healing from toxic relationships. Now, Jean is a conscious coach and quantum healer. She basically helps people to get out of their own way by helping them release who they think they are so they can step into who they can be. Her primary focus is on empowering people to heal past pain so they can finally build a life that they choose. She remains fiercely dedicated to that cause and throughout her 21 years of professional, her professional career with empowering tens of thousands of people worldwide to consciously create a beautiful life experience. Now, hi, Jean. Hello there. <laughs> Thanks Thank for you. having me on your show, of course. Pleasure. And, you know, for those watching and tuning in, we've had a little bit of an experience with some technology as we've connected in. So we're both in a little bit of laughing through it, which is perfect given our topic. So, Jean, can you just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about your journey and how you've stepped into doing the work that you're doing? Sure. Yeah. And thanks again for having me. It's I was giggling because I think two intuitive people in technology sometimes <laughs> it can be a little challenging. So it's a good thing we have good senses of humor. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I sort of, um, I came into this plane of experience, really feeling like it was never home to me. I'm kind of born into a family that didn't ever feel like it fit, grew up in a town that felt way too small for um, what I needed, just kind of really felt like I didn't know if I belonged here at all or how to fit into this plane. So it was a really confusing time ever since I was little. Um, I've had exposure to the upper realms, um, earthbounds and things in our house, spirits, um, all sorts of things were coming to me when I was little. I didn't really know what to do with that. And my parents didn't believe in that stuff. So I didn't have anyone to, to talk to about it. And um, so I tried to suppress that part of myself for a long time. I ended up being a pretty rebellious teenager and just trying to do anything to kind of escape this strange plane that we live in. And um, it wasn't until I you know, got graduated college and sort of moved on with my life more that I finally started opening up to the potential of what um, of the gifts that were within me. But um, it definitely was a kind of a tumultuous and confusing journey for most of it. <laughs> and um, I just, as I found my gifts in um, 2000, 2001, when I was introduced to Reiki, I found that other people also 
understood energy. And that to me felt like I finally could find my tribe or others that that could understand and could also teach me about what I was already experiencing. And that kind of started the true evolution of coming back into myself. <laughs> I love that. Um, you and I have a very similar journey, which is, you know, I had a feeling <laughs> interesting um, and, and spirit at such a young age can be a little bit challenging to understand what it is that you're feeling, seeing, hearing, or knowing without having people around you that also understand it, that can teach you and support you through that. So, you know, for those that are listening or watching who've had a similar journey, we both completely understand that. And I did the rebellious teenager thing as well and, you know, drank way too much trying to kind of stop seeing, feeling, hearing what was what was going on. So, yeah. Sensitive people are incredibly courageous mm-hmm. and incredibly um, strong internally and externally in a lot of ways because we we have to learn about ourselves, don't we? We do, yeah. And it seems like um, we come in here to make changes here. We're not meant to fit in. And it takes a little while, I think, to understand how that works (laughs) and that it's okay to be different and it's okay not to fit in because you're not supposed to, you're supposed to create something new, but it's interesting when you can't really see what that road looks like or how to build into it or what to do with it. (laughs) It does take a lot of courage for sure, just to try things and see if it works, you know, or see if you face plant and you learn not to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's all perfect and part of the journey, right? Yes, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Um, And so I want to talk a little bit about toxic relationships and start with what is that? Because it's, you know, a little bit of a a term that's often used and thrown out there when we're either describing our own relationships or our, our relationships with people in our world that we see them having. So (laughs) there's a lot of moving parts to it. I think um, generally speaking, toxic relationships, I think of as something that is feels just really dishonoring to a person. And, you know, we can use the, the typical kind of narcissist empath experience just because it's sort of an easy, um, you know, and opposite ends of the spectrum to describe so typically you have one person, say the empath is overgiving, is very sensitive to other people's needs, who is who very, very much feels into the other person's experience, is trying to automatically pacify those needs of the other person to keep people happy, to keep everybody in peace. And then you have the other one, and I'll call them the narcissist. And I think that narcissists have a little bit of a, um, a bad rap <laughs> just because of the experience with them is so loud. But if you look at the undercurrent of a narcissist, it really is someone who has just very, very deep wounds, who is in a resistance to healing and simply projecting their wounds onto another person or other people around them. So they are in a really, um, you know, kind of wounded state and just in resistance. And people think, oh, they're the bad, the bad guys, the big bad wolf kind of thing. Um, but really to see them with compassion and say, you know, I see where you are, but at the same time, it's not my job to fix that, (laughs) to help that. So it's, you know, kind of a little bit of discernment there. 
But as far as that, you typically see that narcissist being um, a toxic component to someone's life where they have a lot of control challenges. Sometimes they want to dictate what the other person does. They have a lot of a deep well of needs that they're wanting someone else to fill for them. So they're pulling way too much energy over to their side than even what's comfortable for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it can leave, say, the empath feeling very, very drained, very depleted, um, and the inability to even kind of function sometimes on their own, just because they're so drained of everything. Um, I had a personal experience with um, a really, really dark narcissistic man. And I remember at the end, I really felt like a shell of a person and people around me were saying, you, I don't, I don't even recognize you. You're typically so light and so full of life. And you're just, you're not that it's like your, your light is gone. And when I finally realized other people also saw that, then I thought it's not just me. I'm not crazy. <laughs> this is really happening, you know? So pay attention to those types of things, especially that you're getting from others who love you that might be saying, this might not be the best thing for you. Or are you sure you want to continue to be with this person? You know, the people that love you outside of the relationship are usually pretty good mirrors um, to what's going on inside. Yeah. There's, there's quite a lot in there that I want to pick up on. And mm -hmm. I think that the narcissist empath continuum, because really it is, is a really good one um, to understand. And like you said, it's, you know, we all have the ability to express narcissistic characteristics in our, in our world. Mm -hmm. And we all have, we all have wounds or past experiences that we bring to our relationships and, and to the world. And I love how you talk about a, a narcissist, a person displaying narcissistic characteristics, having deep wounds that they're resistant to, because that's really what it is. Mm. Uh, because someone who's diagnosed as a narcissistic personality is very different to someone displaying narcissistic characteristics there's a there's a difference there so you know the empath and the narcissist are on the same continuum and what the narcissist actually needs and, and I use that term in that way is empathy which is why you know the empath the overgiver often attracts in relationship wise and experience with that type of toxic relationship in order to learn, because it's often one of our learnings, is to not overgive and to not jump into rescue mode and, and fixer mode and how do we allow someone in their wounds to be in those wounds, right? Mm -hmm. And to accept them and love them or not. <laughs> True. <laughs> Yes. I think that sometimes, um, you know, we come in here with particular wounds and lessons to learn the evolutionary process, right? And when you grow up in a household that either has, you had a narcissistic parent, or there was a deep sense of unworthiness, or you were inconvenienced to others around you, you don't have a right to be here. Those types of wounds typically 
um, you know, end up being in the overgiver category where you're trying to prove your value, trying to prove your worth. And so when you see someone who is really, you know, wounded and displaying those narcissistic categories, you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much work that I can do there. There's so much that I can help and fix. And it's almost like a draw or compelling force to connect those two forces of nature. <laughs> um, and when you recognize that that you might be overgiving, it's sort of a strange um, experience to go through because you might not understand you're even doing it just because it's such a natural piece of you that it feels very normal. Mm. And a lot of times growing up in trauma, trauma can be normalized to the point where you don't know what healthy relationships feel like. So those other types feel very, very normal. Um, so it can be difficult sometimes to even see through that stuff. And so if you're trying to discern if you're in a narcissistic relationship or a toxic relationship, um, just start to think about how you feel, you know, if you feel belittled, if you feel disrespected, if you feel dishonored, if you're being heard and, and listened to, and you know, those, those very, very basic needs are those needs being met. And I hope at least those are, and then some, <laughs> because those are the sweet relationships and they do exist. And the more you can focus on self-love and finding your worth, really working through your own wounding, that's when you start to draw in higher frequency, higher level relationships. But if you're still feeling really, really open and you're wounding, chances are you've got a better chance of drawing in the opposite, you know, aspect of that spectrum. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, the, you do draw those in and I'm, I'm, where do I start with that? <laughs> and right. I, that I love that you talk about, you know, basic needs within a relationship. And mm -hmm. I love that you talk about that knowing yourself because we take ourselves to all of our relationships and all of our connections right and if we're in our deep wounding and and if we're in resistance to our own healing or if we don't know what we need want and desire in life and that's what I've found a lot of overgivers and and they're often women there are yeah. men as well um we don't know what we need in relationships, which comes back to that self-worth and that self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And so that giving part of our nature takes over. And I know for me, um, healing from a toxic relationship mm -hmm. meant for me jumping on a flight to the other side of the world and gifting myself space from everyone in the normal experience to go, no, I need to work through that and I need to find me again. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was, as it turned out, I met my current partner a month after I arrived. However, <laughs> you know, synchronicities. Um, what, what I did in that three-year period that I was overseas was I really asked myself, what do I need? And really came back to working through those things like not feeling heard, not feeling seen, not feeling loved, feeling like everybody else's needs got put first rather than my own. When is it my turn? You know, all of those things. Yes. <laughs> yes. All of those things, right? <laughs> right. And, you know, 
my my partner was so incredibly patient with with me mm. working through that and and it doesn't mean we didn't have uh, some struggles or some battles at times yeah. <laughs> because we were both finding our feet with that and working through that and me going actually what I need in a relationship is to be able to give voice to what I need and to be able to be heard and to and to be open to receiving that because mm-hmm. I wasn't open to receiving from someone else yeah it's an interesting thing when you want to receive but when you're not actually open to receiving (laughs) and it's sort of this internal conflict that can happen within and you're like why aren't you meeting my needs I'm asking I'm asking asking and but it's there's something within you you know it's sort of like the conscious mind is saying I want this this would feel really nice but when the subconscious mind is saying you're not deserving of something so there's a complete inner conflict going on until you start to correct those things you continue to receive experiences like that so for the listeners, if you guys are, are going through that, I want this, I want this, I want this, I just can't seem to get it. It never works out. I'm always in the struggle. All of those types of things are saying there's something that's with inside of you that's raising their hand saying, I'm ready to be healed. I need some love. I need some attention. I need some work inside. Because once you heal those pieces within your relationships will reflect that healing, that new level of healing again. So even if you're in partnership with the same person and you're working on yourself, you'll, you'll notice, oh my gosh, that person is treating me differently now because I did this inner work. How about that? And then you start to learn how powerful you are just by doing some inner work. And I will tell you, you guys this too, when you do your inner work, it is the easiest thing you can do because you're meant to be able to do it. So those of you that are going out, trying to fix everybody, trying to heal everybody, trying to do all these other things, especially people that are in resistance, it's exhausting. But if you go within, that's work that you're meant to succeed at. So think about that. When you go in, you can do that and then you can finally heal. I love that you say that's the work that you're meant to do and that you can succeed at because, you know, often that... um, doing and and really um, putting ourselves out there in the world and fixing everybody else or whatever that resistance might be is is about, you know, trying to find that sense of worthiness and success somewhere. Oh, look, I did this or I managed to fix this or sort this problem out for this person or that person, right? So I want to talk a little bit about that as in, our, yeah. which is often a, a bit of a toxic pattern, right? About mm-hmm. the fixing and the doing and the, you know, the doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's way too much doing going on. Rather than um, the being. <laughs> yes. The beingness. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting thing because if you have a wound that has not been healed, you will excessively do things to try to fill that. So if you have a worthiness wound, for instance, you will excessively try to help fill that need with external things to validate your worthiness. So in those cases, you will find yourself overgiving. Once you heal that wound, you'll see someone who has a need and you'll be like, "Mm, no, that's your work. You're good. You you got it. And you will feel much less compelled (laughs) to overextend for something that's not your work in the first place because you're coming from a healed state. 
So this isn't even something that we need to strategize or consciously focus on not doing. We just need to focus on healing self and then just see how that feels when you start to experience things after that point of healing, because you'll surprise yourself because it's a very, very different experience. And you're like, oh my gosh, that didn't even bother me. That would have bothered me so much before. And I'm totally fine now. So it's, it's beautiful. And it's fascinating <laughs> when you do that work. Um, and I forgot the question that you asked. Yeah. That was part of it. <laughs> you answered it beautifully. Okay. <laughs> I was going to circle back around something, but I don't remember. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, bring oh, the coming back is. into that doingness versus beingness, right? Yes. And and that's exactly what you're talking about is yeah. us feeling that that hole or that need within ourselves to mm-hmm. feel validated or confirm our worth and you know I I often talk to clients about you know your worth is an internal thing it's an energy that you have the ability to tap into at any given moment Mm -hmm. because you are worthy just by being just by existing yeah in this world and you know, it's, it's interesting if we see it as an energy and it's a bit like your beautiful photo in the or mm-hmm. image in the background there. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like our worthiness is that, that hole there and we've got all these things attached to it. I'm not worthy until mm-hmm. I've done this. I'm not worthy until I, you know, my physical body looks like this. I'm not worthy until this person loves me or, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> So true. And I love that you bring up energy because for me, that is the easiest access point because a lot of these patterns that we live through and programs that we live with, they're, they're existing long before we have conscious awareness of them being in existence. Some of these are translated through our ancestry and our lineage. You can't even see the origin, but if you read the energy, you can. Because energy doesn't lie. You can see the truth and it's crisp and clear and <laughs> there's so much clarity around that. So when you start to move the energy, you remove those things. And even, you know, I, I do a lot of work with the chakra system. And, you know, as the root chakra, it is our right to be here. And so if people are having a lot of blockages in that chakra in particular, if they're having worthiness challenges, I would always recommend checking in with that energy center and see what's going on because a lot of us are living in the shadow sides of our chakras, the shadow side of the root chakras we know is fear. How many people are living in the states of fear nowadays? It's the dominant energy of this tidal wave that's being washed over people pretty much consistently. So it's, it's challenging not to be in that place unless you recognize that you're there. So when you can see, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in fear. I can't really breathe right now. I'm feeling anxious. I'm not sleeping well. I don't really have an appetite, whatever that is that how it's showing up for you. Check in with those energy centers and say, what's the light side of that energy center? Oh, it's the right to be here. That's right. I can just be, and I can sit here and I can meditate. I can walk. I can have some tea outside. I can have a chat with a friend and everything is going to be okay you know, and it's not ignoring what's happening in the world, but it's finding your center first and then being able to navigate all the crazy outside, you know? Yeah. And I, I love how you, you know, ask that question because it really is, excuse me, <coughs> it really is about coming back to what is it that I need from within me? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Everything is there. All the answers are there. <laughs> yeah. Clearing some stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. God, love it. And, and, you know, fear is just an energy, right? Yes. And I, I like that you bring that in because we're in a global sense of heaviness or, or fear or there's quite a bit of that out there at the moment for some people. Mm-hmm. And there's others of us that are doing our work and connecting with ourselves and our inner being and our knowing and our worthiness and our dreams and our goals and our visions for moving forward and you know transforming that heaviness that's sitting in the kind of global consciousness at the moment and the reality is that fear cannot exist without love yeah and so if you're seeing feeling knowing fear at the moment or you've got some wounds or things coming up look for the love in it what's right about it what what's what is it that it's asking you to invite in mm-hmm. exactly here is an invitation to open it's an invitation to like you said worthiness and what mm-hmm. I need today is you know a sleep or what I need today is to read a book what I need today is a cup of coffee or to talk to a friend or to do some work and be productive Um, It's okay to be productive and get stuff done. And what I I need is to support someone else today. And if that's an inner drawing, if you're being guided and and inspired to help and support, then that's different from jumping in and doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. When you talk about the energy of fear, typically people will contract And they almost get kind of stuck or paralyzed in that place. And so, especially if you're feeling into fear, think about softening through the body. Think about releasing the tension that you're holding onto. Think about, can you breathe right now? And focusing on what you would prefer a lot of times can help you to move out of that state that is uncomfortable and into a better one. Mm -hmm. But I like to teach a lot. The first step in changing anything is recognizing that you're in a state of suffering or in a state of discomfort, or in a state of somewhere where you don't like to be. And that knowing is the first step and usually the hardest to recognize that. But once you do, then you can apply your free will and choice to make the changes that you prefer. And I will tell you, it is so much easier nowadays than I have ever seen in my couple decades of experience, because there's so many more people awakening on the planet And it's really supportive of this energy. And you may have noticed time feels like it's speeding up. (laughs) It is. (laughs) And so things are, are, it's almost like there's a freedom or there's a liberation with movement right now. Mm -hmm. And so all this dark, you know, kind of heavy density of purging of all this heavy stuff that people have been carrying. As soon as you get uncomfortable, it's signaling, okay, this is ready to be healed. You can move it out from the awareness of it and just the intention alone of wanting to heal this will start that journey. I am seeing that there's a lot of depth that's coming up pretty quickly. It can be intense. So I do recommend to people, you know, if you're feeling really competent in doing your own work, awesome, go for it. But I do also think that there are those of us out there specifically here to help people step into this awakening process with much greater ease. (laughs) 
it's, it's challenging. It's intense. And I know I have my team of people when I need some extra support, but we're really learning now, especially as women, it's okay to ask for help. It doesn't mean you're weak (laughs) because if you need, if you need help with something or you don't choose to do something, or you just feel exhausted and want someone else to help carry that weight, it's okay. And the more we can get away from that old program that you have to do everything yourself to prove your value and your worth and that you're worthy of being here, you know, it's, it's like dropping all that stuff off and coming into this freedom to say, we're all here to carry the weight together. And that's a beautiful aspect of what we're stepping into finally. Yeah. And you know, that, that softening is really important it it does open us to that love that support that generosity that um joy that that is in the world right whereas when we're when we're in our when we're in fear energy or that struggle or that hardness it, it puts us in resistance of where we need to be. And that first step, I, I love how you say that, is really acknowledging, you know what, I feel exhausted. You know what, I feel like I'm in pain. I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like I'm, you know, um, sad or in grief or in hurt or whatever that might be that sits there. Or I feel angry. And that's, mm-hmm. that's one that often people avoid is anger. Yeah, anger is the most transformative energy and the the most amazing energy to work with. It's not who you are; it's an emotion. Mm-hmm. You are not yes. you are not angry. It's an emotion you're experiencing that's requesting your attention very loudly, usually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, yes. and grief. And, and a lot of people mm-hmm. avoid grief and we can mm. experience grief through the loss of a loved one or yeah. through the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, the loss of, you know, self. We can experience mm. grief in so many different ways and it mm-hmm. often takes so much courage to come back and do that work. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I use the word work. It's not work. Right. <laughs> it takes so much courage to come back and be authentic and conscious and present to what's coming up for you mm-hmm. and to and be willing to clear it and shift it and step through it. Right. Without fear. I'm noticing as we kind of lay this old paradigm to rest, there is a lot of old programs that stream in that says, you don't want to go into those shadow parts. Ooh, it's scary in there. You want to avoid that stuff at all costs. <laughs> you need to stay extremely busy, keep TV and radio on all the time, go out every single night, you know, get to bed way too late. So you're kind of, you know, a hot mess the next day too. All these things that created avoidance of being able to get in there. And I will tell you, there's absolutely nothing to fear in those inner worlds. It's just pieces of self that have been neglected or ignored or rejected in some capacity that just need some nurturing and some love and some healing. And so when you can know that there's nothing scary in there, there is intensity, 
but it's almost like the, the difference between anxiety and excitement. <laughs> it's kind of a fine, fine line between the two. Jeez. It's intense in there, but it's fascinating. It's like, holy cow, I didn't even know that was in there. That's a part of me. And just to get to know yourself. And I've been doing this work for decades and there's still more that I'm learning about myself every single day. I'm like, holy cow, how deep is that place? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so And I do think that, you know, anger, I wrote an article years ago called the gift of anger. And, you know, my first thing was, I'm sure you're saying this chick is crazy because how is anger a gift? But it is, it's a very active emotion. It's asking you to do something. And typically it's linked to setting a boundary. There's some aspect that you're being pushed and it's asking for you to show up and say, draw a line in the sand, you know, and as far as grief, a lot of people hold on to that. And I will say this about grief. When you experience a loss, and this could be a loss of a loved one, like you said, loss of self. I love that part is so big. Mm-hmm. Even when we release a, a chapter of our lives, there is a sense of a grieving process to kind of lay a piece of ourselves to rest. And so we can carry this grief and it can feel heavy and it can feel kind of cathartic to cry, but grief is actually a healing energy. It's there to cleanse if you let it. But it comes with some intensity, which can be a little bit intimidating. But if you go into it, you realize, I kind of like it in there. I can swim in there and it feels actually kind of soothing. And when you stop fearing that and kind of step into it, all of a sudden it starts to flow out and you're no longer carrying that density in your energy body, you know, and when you carry things in your energy body, you kind of set yourself up for some physical ailments too, if you're not clearing. So those stuck emotions can eventually turn into, um, or translate into some physical dis-ease. So we always, you know, talk so much about energy clearing and working with those emotions just to make sure that you're staying in a nice, healthy flow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so much more we could talk about for, on this topic. And I, I love what you bring um, to the world. And thank you for doing that work. It's, yeah, thank you as well. <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful thing that, you know, you're, you're gifting you to the world and your gifts and your skills and your knowledge. So thank you. If yeah. there's one tip that you could give people, about healing from toxic relationships, whatever that looks like for them, what would it be? I would really recommend that um, it's, it can be so complex. So I always love to simplify things. The more you can focus on just loving yourself, paying attention to how you feel, paying attention to your needs. And even if you're currently in a, in a partnership or relationship of some sort, with someone who's not making you feel amazing about yourself right now. Um, It's okay to distance yourself from that energy and continue to focus inward. And the more you can practice self-love, self-care, and I'm talking like soul level self-care. It's not just eating and sleeping and bathing. This is, those are basic needs. This is deep soul care where, what do you really need? You're on a purpose here. Are you able to walk that purpose? And if you don't feel like you can release those limitations, because those obstacles are just illusions. If you're saying, I can't, because try to stop that dialogue with self and decide I can, because I choose to and free yourself of the limitation first. And then you can much more easily walk through it in this dimension. Yeah. I love that. 
Yeah, thanks. Then, That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we come into the world as us and we go mm-hmm. out of the world as us. So and true. So everything <laughs> and everyone around us is, is just external. So why not love you first? And I know, mm. you know that's kind of the catch cry that people say around relationships in particular is you have to love yourself first. Well, actually, mm-hmm. that's your journey. That's why you're here. That's why we're yes. all here is to learn to love ourselves more. And the way we learn that is through our experiences in connecting with others. Mm-hmm. I so, completely agree. Yeah. It's some, I think it's something that we blow off sometimes because we think, yeah, 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 we got it. We got it. But until you get it, you're like, oh, there it is. <laughs> now I got it. <laughs> yeah. So keep walking it. it. It will continue to unfold. The more you just even set that as intention, um, it'll, you just continue to improve day by day. It's just practice. It's all just practice. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and Jean, can you share with everybody where they can connect with you further if they want to learn more about what you do? Yeah, the easiest place would be um, on my website. So it's just jeanatman.com. And I have several offerings and learn more about my work on there as well. But that's probably the easiest place. Perfect. Beautiful. Thank yeah. you so much for joining me on <laughs> Barefoot with Spirit today and for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, and your beautiful soul energy. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I had such a nice time with you and lots of giggles, which I always enjoy. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, and for those of you who want to connect with me more, jump on my website, thebarefootmedium.com.au. And wherever you are in the world, please take the time to nurture and love you and to learn about what your soul needs, wants and desires in this world and gift that to you. Thank you, everybody, and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode of Barefoot with Spirit.